Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, one of the hosts of the Prestige TV podcast. HBO's Barry is back for a fourth and final season. And that means I'll be back recapping the show with co-creator and star Bill Hader to dive deep on the themes, scenes, and major moments in the series. Bill will provide insight into how every episode was made and why it's ending. New Prestige TV Barry recaps will go live every Sunday night when the episode ends. So make sure you're subscribed to the Prestige TV podcast wherever you get your podcasts. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I need sports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio. It's Andy Greenwald! Chris, you are unreal. Like I, People will never know what goes on behind the scenes here, but like you were as ready to start this podcast as Cousin Greg was to get on a PJ to Norway. You know, it didn't matter what you were doing. Do you know what turns me on? <laughs> wow. Is when you say I have a heart out. You love that. I love working fast. I love the hurry up offense. You, I, lo- you love a cap. You no like a challenge. Huddle. Can I tell you something about this episode of Succession? Yeah, kill list. One problem with the beginning of it <laughs> is that it gave me a peek into what could have been. And I believe in slow TV. I believe in pushing the envelope and yeah. changing the paradigm. Mm-hmm. And if you told me that this episode, one of the f- last few episodes of this beloved series, mm-hmm. was going to be Kendall Roy in the backseat of a car listening to the entirety of the blueprint, I would have said, sir, <laughs> would you like a motherfucking Peabody? You would have shifted tears on your <laughs> Mac subscription off that alone. Off that alone. Oh my God. What a way to start. It was a pretty exciting there, start. There, there's a lot of needle drops out there, mm-hmm. but this one got pushed right into my arteries. This one yeah. was really, really good for to put the takeover. Uh, and almost ironic, too, because it not really that doesn't really happen over the course of the episode for Kendall. No, but he is doing what he loves best, <laughs> fucking up his dad's company. <laughs> what did you think of the episode? I really like this episode. I feel like... So, three obviously was three. That was Connor's yeah. wedding. Unbelievable, paradigm shifting, historically That's brave. Two paradigm shifts for that. us. Yeah, have we shifted the paradigm already? No, on the I, show? S- I said that ten seconds ago. I said paradigm shifting. Oh, I, I don't listen. I was checking emails. <laughs> but please continue. Sorry, um, I deserve that. It's fine. For the two two plus years of COVID potting, where my eyes would die because I was looking at Twitter while you spoke. It was, it was amazing watching <laughs> the light I don't go do out. That to you in person, no, no. Yeah. Um, so three was three. I thought that last week's episode, the kind of the wake episode, Honeymoon States, was pretty phenomenal on my first viewing. On my second viewing, I really admired it. There was a lot to like, but I realized so much of my emotional uh, connection to it was really predicated on the, my God, what are they going to do now? Yes. It 
really was a shot chaser kind of situation with episode three. In many ways, this episode, um, I already said the name, Kill List. Let me, let me paradigm shift the name for you. Uh, was the beginning of the new show, of what Succession is going to be for the rest of its run. And because of that, I thought it was thrilling. It had a lot of the shape of some of the historically best episodes, which is, let's go to a party. Yeah. This was also a corporate retreat. There was a party. There were other scenes folded into it. A lot of, a lot of quality time in PJs, on PJs. Sure. But um, in in sort of uh, Scandinavian modern structures. Did, did you see that in the background there was just axe throwing set up? Yeah. Like just set up. Yeah. Just in case. <laughs> um, I thought it was a pretty exhilarating episode that drew some pretty stark lines about what this show is going to be going forward. And, you know, not, not, to, not to jump right into it. Sure. But Logan Roy's last words to his children. I love you, but you're not serious people, is the most prophetic thing yeah. said on this show. And I, I, I think we've identified this in fits and starts, but I think that we're beginning to see the entire apparatus turn towards what I do believe to be Jesse Armstrong's core belief, which is the specific demands and needs of successful contemporary capitalism are exactly at odds with successful human being-ism. Mm-hmm. They are not compatible. And if you go into one arena looking for the other, you are going to get dunked on. And I think that's what played out in this episode. And I thought it was thrilling on its own merits. And I thought it was a really interesting pivot point for the season and the show up until now. I have found the last couple of episodes, just because you you kind of opened your remarks with that, this idea of these this trilogy of, of episodes that we've sort of... I, I opened, I used the same <laughs> opening remarks when I was addressing the Florida State House recently. <laughs> yes. So, just, so I'm sorry to dip back into the well. Walt Disney's frozen head, <laughs> yep. tear down this wall. But build this prison. So I can put a prison there. Um, you know, yeah. I don't often, I think succession can be studied. You know, I think succession can be obsessed over and you can go through it. But I had traditionally been a a one and done guy with succession. Mm-hmm. Like I I enjoy the energy of it and I, I I find that like for me a lot of my appreciation of it is derived from almost the live experience. You know, it's like it's yeah. like go see the dead, man. You you don't really hear them until you go see them. And it's like I don't really know. I didn't really always believe that Succession was a watch it again show because you would unlock certain things. Is Skarsgård John Mayer in this analogy? <laughs> That's right. Okay. Yeah. But uh he's playing a rat dog. But the the last couple of episodes especially I've watched twice. Mm-hmm. And this one when you watch it twice you realize that my mild criticism of this show has always been like these resets that mm-hmm. in between episodes whatever gets decided or whatever you feel like as a viewer you've experienced at the end of an episode is then erased the next time these people see one another the next day. And that that is the closest thing to the VP situational comedy aspect of this show, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like a funny show about this fucked up family. And it's not. It's also a tragedy about this fucked up family. But when I watch Kill List over again, I was like, this is a, a show about the theatricality of what these people are doing. Because every single person in this episode means nothing of what they say. Nothing is, none of these gestures, none of these words, none of these actions actually mean anything. And they are all essentially self-sabotaging one another. At least the Roys are. 
Yes. You know, it's not I what we can get into what Lucas does in Skarsgård might win the season off this episode like God, it he's is so good. A, absolutely immense performance. But you know, when you see those kids kind of like slowly going towards like maybe we should just run this company and worry about Calispatron 2 and and work on this and work on that and they're like cutting Shiv out as yeah. they obviously were going to and she can pick up on that mm-hmm. as the episode kind of unfolds you can tell that like everything about what they're doing is actually just completely unmoored from a a desire. It's the only desire well, is like immolation. It seems like. Well, also, I mean, so look. So this is a, a slight digression, but I think it's worth noting. My beloved cousin uh, married a guy who uh, family's from Long Island, and they were the complete polar opposites from my Jewish American family. In that, the motto of this family that then eventually was embroidered, like stitched and framed on the wall of the kitchen, was "It is what it is." Mm-hmm. The dad would say it all the time. <laughs> I fucking love this guy. Yeah. In my experience of life, in interpersonal relationships, it never is what it is. There's always more to it. A dinner is never just a dinner. A family gathering is never just a family gathering. A blood there's, oath is not a blood oath. There's always some extra layer of psychodrama or mismatches or expectations or baggage brought into it. And we've talked many times over the years about the increasingly almost absurd isolation of these people. Now, this isolation is also a different, that's a different way of saying they're incredibly fucking wealthy. Mm -hmm. But when you see who they spend time with, how they spend their time, the conversations that they have, the community, the tribe, you know, to use a cliche, that they've built, and it's the only venue available to them to work out profoundly deep shit that they are not in touch with at all and maybe don't even want to work out. All of that is a very long prelude to say, like, on top of a mountain, which is incredibly funny, Yes, negotiating a nearly $200 billion global stock market shattering or shaking business exchange might not be the correct venue to deal with your daddy shit. Sure. But here we are. Yes. And that's both incredible dramatically, dramaturgically, certainly. Um, it's deeply upsetting and disturbing emotionally to see the way that it plays out and how it is responded to because everything is a provocation. Everything is a game. Everything is a get, you know, even though I think that- I don't the, think that these people want to be doing anything else but what they're exactly doing no, right now. Like, but I, you can see that, like, it's so, it's so funny because you, you sometimes I was like, oh, if this show went on for six or seven years, would there ever be just like- these people running ATN, the newsroom, or right. you know, start, actually starting a media company or something. That's not what they want to do. No. That, what they want to do is to be in this perpetual deal state where they are being pursued. It's all up to them. It's all about them negotiating. And this entire episode essentially is a negotiation. I, I agree with that. But I also think that everyone, I mean, I think that the, the view of the show is that anyone who does this with their lives is profoundly broken. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is deeply cynical about business writ large, right? Um, Matson, who we will talk about soon, is pretty janky as a human being, right? Um, but much more, quote-unquote, serious in the way that Logan Roy would refer to as serious. Right. Right? I, 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 think, that you, I think that you're right that the Roys want to be in the mix because it makes them feel alive or makes them feel close to something. But what's disturbing about this episode is what it makes them feel close 
too, because I don't think there's any victory for them. I don't think there's anything that's, there's no golden chalice or metal or anything that will fix the problem, right? Like on that mountaintop, there are three individuals with three completely different and almost incompatible goals. Oh, yeah. Matson wants to buy a company and strip it for parts, and he wants to win, right? Like he has kind of like incel gamer vibes. He just wants to crush. Um, Kendall wants to do a good job with his father's legacy and make his dead father proud of him. Mm. And Roman wants his father to love him. Yeah. And only one of those goals is achievable via funicular. You know? Yes. And I think it's worth mentioning because while Matson is is the sort of guest star of this episode, I think this is weirdly a Shiv episode, even though she's not yeah. in a lot of these and, major scenes. And so I rewatched that outdoor negotiation. So there's three negotiations that essentially happen. There's the first one where um, Kendall and Roman go into that sort of windowed, you know, layer that Matson's sitting the force in. force majeure. Where he's dressed like he's wearing Museum. like Fear of God meets Patagonia. And that's when he kind of trumps their, oh, our sympathy card by revealing that he discovered his father's body <laughs> in a BMW. With a motor running. Yeah. And they go through the first iteration of this deal where he reveals that he wants to buy ATN as well and that he's going to give them whatever it is, 187 for 187 per share for it. And then they come back out. And at this point, Shiv's essentially outside of it. The second negotiation happens at this sort of outdoor lunch that they're having where impromptu, they begin talking with Matson again about ATN and about the valuation. And when that's happening, Shiv is sitting sort of in the background of the scene. Mm -hmm. But crucially, like the camera, they, they cut to her several times as she obviously looks on in awe as this guy does what her father did, mm -hmm. which is behead her brothers. Yes, just make them small. Yeah, and her, every one of these kids just wants their father to reappear. Kendall wants it when he's looking at that multiple desks that he keeps encountering where his father's not sitting. Mm -hmm. Roman is candid about it where he's saying, what would dad want? Let's finish dad's breakfast. Let's keep dad's heart and soul alive. He, he also looks at photos tech of his father's dead body yes. dressed up. Yes. He's the only one who looks at that. So Roman's explicit in what he's trying to do. And Shiv obviously <laughs> is almost like trying to basically like become Logan in in some ways because she's seeing in Matson that he's like this alpha who stands over her brothers that they're not they're not serious people. Yeah. Do you think that by the end of the episode, and this is always like kind of a, a fool's errand, do you feel like Shiv has like ascended into some higher plane? Or do you think that this is just like another kind of slip on the banana peel moment for all of these kids? The Shiv piece is an, an interesting question. I think we gave her short shrift last week. I think we didn't even really, we didn't talk much about the pregnancy. Yeah. You know, and how that in, impacts everything that happens after. And how it impacts her cocaine intake. Well, it, it reduces it. Yeah. So yeah. that's a plus. <laughs> um, I, there were, it's it's hard to read. I think obviously one of the most significant moments in terms of her character in this episode was when Matson is like, "You have a big piece of him. Mm -hmm. You have the. You, we can joke. You know that's the important thing, and that's something that I think um, is a Carl or Frank, one of the graybeards." <laughs> says in the beginning, it's like, your father would often begin with a light, uh, yeah. you know, a, a bon mot, a joke, if you will. She can do that. She can hang. She has her hand on the thermostat in terms of the type of conversation, whereas the, the boys just really only go in one direction. 
Does she come alive for the first time this season when she's when the gloves are off with Tom? Kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, you know everyone has like every actor, even the best actors have like the one or two moves. Moves that's just like that's what they're best at. And and Sarah Snook's like getting punched in the mouth face metaphorically speaking sure. is astonishing, you know, when she like realizes they're playing with live ammo. In this moment, and he's like you have fat earlobes yeah, or whatever. It, it yeah, just, it, and she she comes alive and she come and it she finds him appealing in that moment. She she likes who she is again. She's she's an alpha again. She's not just on the sidelines. Um, I guess a better way to phrase my question would be: You get to the end of episode four, mm-hmm. and clearly, I think you're left with this idea that Kendall, seeing his name, rec- recognizing something where his father at one point thought of him, yeah, and maybe even loved him or whatever, maybe yeah. Uh, has put air in his balloon and now he walks out of that room and the last thing he does is blackmail Hugo, which is a very Logan mm-hmm. thing to do. And then at the end of this episode, on the end of Kill List, Shiv doesn't tell them about uh, Matson's obvious problem with female underlings. Mm-hmm. She gets on the phone with him while they are kind of like get get sort of suplexed by the fact that Matson like out over, like bid bid out their like attempts at keeping the company mm-hmm. and then takes a picture of them invades mm-hmm. their privacy breaks mm-hmm. the family seal so to speak mm-hmm. and kind of aligns herself with Matson and then goes and starts throwing her weight around about firing Sid keep you know Tom we're going to maybe step in and get out of the Mencken business or whatever yeah like all that stuff is like so do you feel any more confident in where Shiv ends the episode than where you did where Logan ended the or Kendall ended the episode in episode four. Yes, I mean I I think that what's interesting about these three kids, it's not. I mean they are not serious people, but they are also not whole people. I mean maybe if you stack each one on top of each other and put a trench coat around them, you might be able to mimic the characteristics of one real person. Each of them has the lane that they can succeed in, and Shiv snapped back into that lane yeah. in this episode. Yeah. The thing about Kendall in the episode is he is not, and we can debate this more specifically, but like, to me, there's there's nothing particularly reckless about what he's doing. It's just that the reality of the situation he inherited does not line up with the fantasy he's been carrying for much of his adult life, if not before, which is he wants to run Waystar Royco. Yeah. He wants to run a media empire and be the equal or greater than his father. He does not want to wrap up business, turn off the lights, and lock the door behind him. No. I mean, the, they the, seem excited about the idea of going $200 million over on, they, a, on a Transformers movie. They, they keep saying, well, it's like a sleepy troll. but what's No, the it's difference, a sleepy really? robot in a cave. Right. And they, it sounds like Optimus Prime when he's like, you have awoken me. <laughs> was the one when Eva's like, I, I've seen this or something. I'm, he's like, thanks for the link. I, I watched it, yeah. I watched it. Um, he... He just wants to run something that isn't there for him to run. You know, I, I didn't think of it as like a big like 180, like I just need chaos. You know, this wasn't like like Bill, second term Bill Clinton, just like where's the action is the juice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I appreciated that. But at the same time, like that's just not what the job is. And it's so funny that way Madsen's just so clinical. He's like, my business here is to make you rich. Like yeah. that's all this is. So in a way the Swedes' extreme anti-sentimentality. Great to see Oscar in the flesh, by the way. Better than I imagined. Um, is appropriate. Yeah. This is what it looks like 
when people behave the way Shiv claims they were behaving in episode two, right? Yeah. Like this is, this isn't about, this isn't personal. They don't need to like each other. And what was so interesting with Roman's freakout, that wasn't, I mean, we could talk about that last scene. This wasn't stagecraft, even though he kept saying like, it's a negotiating tactic. Like that was unhinged. It was an outburst that he could say, I can just write this he, off as a negotiating tactic, but like the three of them all know it wasn't. And he was, he was, he lost himself. Yeah. Which is something that And that's Roy's why Matson was like, you're do. fucked. Is like, you lost. You know, you and, may get a higher price or you may get your but, company back or whatever. But in terms of the, like the arena that we're in, yes. you are the loser. And, and that's what was so interesting about the final twist that I respected so much. Cause I, I can't imagine I was the only one that was surprised about the phone call that comes on the, on the jet on the way home. When he says you're fucked, you've lost, mm-hmm. you know, like game of Thrones brain means like, Oh, you've slaughtered his family. No, it's he's, not that he what he's saying out is what they wanted and he's you, not going to let them have it. it all you want, is another chance to string this along and get your daddy to love you. And no, I'm going to pay more money right. to rid you of the illusion that you can do that. Right. I'm going to pay more. And I'm going to steal your sister. I'm going to make you so rich and I'm going to let everyone else know. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing. The celebration on the plane. They are being heralded. They've done a great job. That's what was so funny and savage about the episode. Because up to that point, right? I mean, I, I know you probably laughed at this too, where they're like, we're doing a great job yeah. at this. For 24 hours. I know. They're like, man, this really feels good. This That's is- the thing I will, I love is that like they literally, you could say that this is like kind of crazy making to watch or that, that you, you know, maybe the through line feels jagged. And I, I have said that before, but there's something kind of hilarious about it. as soon as they ever get what they want, mm-hmm. they just spin and turn. They're the miserable. Way. Yeah. If they, if they have the hundreds, they want to run a Pierce. If they have Pierce, they want to merge Pierce with ATN. If they have ATN, what they really want is all of Waystar and running well, Kalispatron reshoots. That, that, that's the problem. Um, not the problem, but that was something that was a little, conf- not confusing, but it was it was convoluted almost to, to, to understand the gravity of the show mm-hmm. up to this point because it's a comedy. It's often a farce. The behavior of the kids and the underlings is occasionally borders on the ludicrous. Like blowing up satellites, although that happens IRL now, as, as <laughs> yes. we learned this week. Yes. So, um, what 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 sometimes made that hard to square was that the company was not a laughing stock; that the company was still a legacy, huge footprint on the earth thing, and that was because of Logan. You take him away, there is no seriousness of purpose whatsoever. It's everyone scrambling for the golden parachutes, and then these kids fucking it up, you know, and. What did you think of, um, I mean, I, I, there's a couple things. Like, no show has ever done this, and I don't know what show will ever do it again, but just the minutia of the travel, from the black car to the SUV, from the to, private jet. To the golf cart. To the, just, the, yeah. just the logistics of this, and then the way, the show could honestly make more hay out of this, but there's not enough real estate of like the upstairs, downstairs of it, of like how Jess, for example, has to be, fully functioning Jess, no matter what time zone she's in. Well, and one of the amazing things about this season has been this is this is day five, you know? Like, yeah. they, they have not... I think every episode is a day, pretty much. That's wild to consider. And, you know, you could can say that contributes to some of the decision-making, you mm-hmm. know, considering what they've been through already this season. But yeah, the uh, the detail and the expansiveness, each, each one of the last two episodes has essentially been a one-set thing and the third episode was just two sets it was the plane and the boat this fourth episode was logan's apartment and this episode has been this mountain retreat in norway 
And is that it where, seems like it contains... Is that where you guys are going next month? No, we're going to Sweden. Oh. Yeah. Yes. So we don't, we don't get that, that dream. If, but I'll be sure not to load up on pastries as soon as I get there. That was one of my favorite Listen, little details. I, this is the thing. I want to circle back to this. And I, I feel actually like- did that at a big Spotify event where like, it was, I was just hungry. So I like... It is, it is a trap though. You go and you're like, blueberry muffins. And then like some guy comes up to you and he's just like, hey, what do you do? And you're like, I got a fucking face full of pastries. That's what I do. I'm a big eater. <laughs> like, oh, do you host food news? More. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 we're going to keep coming back to this point because I really think it's where we're headed. But in a different show, this episode would be used to highlight the overinflated dinosaur-like pomposity of a Waystar Royco organization and how something more nimble, something more web 4.0 or whatever, like Gojo is the future of business. And so when the fatted calves like Hugo and all the just like the sort of the dudes in the zip-ups who all have monosyllabic first names. Yeah. When, Cru- crucially all dudes. When they sh- Shiv saved all every uh, all of her the the women's jobs when they all show up at the buffet line right like the, you would expect that the joke is fully on them but what's great about Jesse Armstrong's fangs mm-hmm. is that they're they're out for everybody so the limber web you know messiah that Madsen is supposed to be i mean let's just like isolate what he says he's going to do with ATN it's a parts shop but no he's saying waystar's a parts shop he's yeah. like ATN we're going to like flood the tube we're gonna like. He says gonna he's gonna go make big. it big, cheap, and IKEA to fuck. Yeah, great. <laughs> and then turn it into Bloomberg. Great business. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. That's just that's just reading the room and understanding all of it. Yeah, all of it's bullshit. Yeah, all of it is yeah. such bullshit. And I thought that um, I I think that the 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 game of the episode was really won the way it often is in the details and specifically like Scarsgar got cast in this part last year. Mm-hmm. It wasn't fully a part. It was just sort of a collection of ideas and riffs and, you know, a couple covers of some people who were in the news. This is the episode where, like, he became a full He also thing. crucially seems to have kept his Northman body. <laughs> yeah. He looks huge in this episode. Yes. And he's towering over these guys. And I thought that the way that they staged the negotiations where not only, you know, when he comes out first— He's like this, you know, like yes. he has his arms wide. He's like, what the fuck? Like, what are we doing? Rocksteady crew. And it's like almost like enveloping them. And then each step of the negotiation gets more and more primal. Mm-hmm. So first it's in this indoor place with the like view of the mountains, but then it's outdoors and it's lunch and people are drinking and he's mm-hmm. kind of doing it in front of a crowd and he's just absolutely cucking these guys. Did you say Hanna-Barbera? Yeah. School? No. And then he takes them to the top of a fucking mountain. Yeah. And it's like, no, now we're gods. Now I'm now this is pure myth. And I am a Viking mm-hmm. standing on top of this mountain. And everyone else is small below us. And I'm gonna piss all over you guys, literally, yeah. and then break you. And now I'm gonna fly off in a helicopter. And I did, you know, that you said it was a surprise when he calls with the price. I guess it was, but those guys are made to look so small waiting for that funicular. You know, like yeah. they are they did not come out of that with their heads held high. And it's amazing when he calls and then he calls Shiv and says, take a picture of them for me. Because he he wanted the evidence. He wanted the evidence that he won. He wanted to see bodies. It's schoolyard. It's schoolyard shit, as is Roman's response. When I, and I felt for him. You know, I think that the pathos in that character is really pronounced this season. And you know who could handle lo- hearing 
You know who could handle being called a prick? Mm. Logan Roy. Yeah. You know who can't handle hearing Logan Roy being called a prick? Roman Roy. Right. He absolutely short circuits. Well, he can't handle somebody saying your dad would think you were a joke. Yeah, but even before that, like he just needs to, he he did not pre-grieve. Maybe he pre-grieved the real person, but right. the legend, the the whisper, the wish, the version of a dad that has always existed inside of his mind, just maybe if he did one thing right, or maybe if he just ran oppo for the Republican Party just one extra time that he would get, that version still exists mm-hmm. very much fully alive inside of Roman. And that's sad, yeah. you know? And I, I was pretty impressed with the episode because it had the momentum, you know, of a classic earlier season episode of Succession. Shit happened. There was a kill list. You know, there was there were tons of great jokes on the margins, but like it held space for that. That just reality. And it, if this is where it's going, like I, I you're talking about the way those kids pivot time and time again. Like they are running out of moves. They're just... He just threw so much money at them. They're pinned down now. Yeah. I mean, it's also, you're, you're so right because all of the grief in a different version of this show, every episode there would be sort of an update about the emotional states of the characters. But those emotional states now get articulated through whatever the action is of the episode. Mm-hmm. So even that moment where Kendall, who starts episode four, as, as you, if you pointed out, like shell-shocked, mm-hmm. sitting on the floor, Episode five, he's walking into Waystar and he he walks by his father's empty office, you know, and he keeps seeing these sort of spaces where his dad used to occupy. And like whether he feels like he's being watched or whether he mm-hmm. feels like he can't fill that space, I don't know, but I like thinking about that rather than having him tell me, rather than having Jesse tell me. And the same thing goes for Shiv, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, why hasn't she told anybody she's pregnant? Why hasn't she told Tom she's pregnant? You know, what What does she see herself as? How aware is, is she that immediately after everybody's swearing on their father that they're going to keep each other together, she feels completely cut out? Is it because she's not in on a on the conferences? She's not getting put on schedules? Or like, it's 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 just, you're left to think about that, but I find that action way more interesting than having it all yeah. told to me. I also think, speaking of things that are not being told to us, I mean, this show exists very, very, very much in a savage patriarchal world. Mm-hmm. Like, that is not a easy, that is not a challenging observation oh, yeah. to make. I mean, Shiv, and, with another, like, you should just do a catch and kill. Like, it, yeah. So her being pregnant does not track. I mean, think about the way they talk about their mother on this show. Right. Think about the role of any mother on this show. I mean, Jerry is the only other like lead lead uh, female character who has stature and agency in this world and then remember what happened with Roman and then remember she was about to get pushed out i mean this is a family and a business that literally threw women off of cruise ships you know so yeah. y- you correctly pointed out last week the timeline of bringing shiv in you know to the power structure was what like 8 10 months which is conveniently her the term of her pregnancy the term yeah. of her pregnancy it doesn't track it doesn't work for her you know, and one thing that is interesting, I mean, I think this is broadly true, like just to make a very blanket statement, I think in my experience that men often grow up and go through life being like the only impediment to anything in my ascent towards godhood is, you know, bad luck. Right. Or if some asshole gets in my way. Right. When I think historically, patriarchically, culturally, women learn early that maybe the world sucks <laughs> to a degree. 
Maybe this is I'm out in front of my skis. This is not my argument to make. Do some literature you'd like to pass out? (laughs) Maybe Kai would like to chime in on this. But um, there is something undeniable that is in front of her at Mm -hmm. this moment, you know. And I'm really curious if that is a crack that lets some light in, you know, to the rest of the hermetically sealed fuckery of this family in this world. Um, If that's the if that's the way it's going to go it might come through her and her perspective and her and the urgency of her situation. So I I mentioned a couple of the negotiations, the the one in the lodge, the one outside, the one that happens in the mountain. There's a fourth one that's Shiv and Matson. Yeah. It's, where, great, it's a great scene. Where he I think because I'm not going to take anything on this show at face value, I think he obviously keys in on her for reasons beyond his sort of like I've decided I like you. Modus, yes. Right? Probably because he knows he can drive a wedge into the the family if he kind of brings her close, which he does, by telling her this very long, insane, funny story <laughs> about him freezing leaders of his own blood and sending it to an ex who happens to be head of his comms. corporate communications Because head. also, like, it started as a joke. Maybe right. it's not a joke anymore. Right. Yeah. And Shiv handles that situation as a fixer she she's just like well here's what you do and we can bring jerry in and i can give you advice and you shouldn't fire her and you should do you know all the meetings need to be in public now stop sending her blood and stop sending her blood and that in and of itself is a negotiation she also deftly handles him giving her whiskey and cocaine Mm -hmm. and doesn't really seem to imbibe in any cocaine but definitely like just a little bit of whiskey i Mm -hmm. think what did you think of that scene? Well, I think it's twofold. I think this is also, when we talk about scenes like this, we're keying in on what makes the show special. And what I mean by that is everything you just said is true. This is a negotiation. This is four-dimensional chess. This is what Logan Roy understood in his bones, that a large portion of this is relationships, is gut feel, is having the meeting outside of the meeting that's not about the meeting, but actually, guess what? That is the meeting. All of that's true. but also. He, Lucas Madsen, is another broken, lonely boy who needs a mommy mm-hmm. and wildly overshares his fuck-ups and yeah. his personal foibles because he wants someone to tell him it's going to be okay. He says he has a hard time with boundaries and everything. Yeah. He, I mean, he does say that. So, And he spills it all to the closest woman. Mm-hmm. That's just what he does. So in the lesser hands, that would all feel a, a touch convenient. The addition of the line, like, I have boundary issues and now I'm going to give you power over me mm-hmm. while I use you to my ability as well. But the show is pretty skilled. And I think in it, and it has a very strong, I mean, obviously it's extremely skilled in its writing, but I think it has a earned trust track record of saying that, you know, let's pull back the curtain. Let's go onto the yachts and the PJs and into these retreats. And guess what? These dudes suck. Yeah. These guys are fucked up. Right. They're not gods. They're not Vikings. They're, broken do you think that he identifies do you think he's like savvy enough to identify that she she is feeling left out and cut out of this entire circle and so that his yes. the superpower is to make her feel in a in an audience of one with him i, I think it's i think it's all of it i yeah. think that's part of it i think he's also wants her to like him he wants to be liked he is getting too much attention from everyone else i mean the way tom sits down the familiarity he doesn't <laughs> france he, <huh? laughs> he doesn't we're just talking about whether France will make it. I that thought for a second they so were talking good. about the World exactly. Cup. Exactly. <laughs> that's what like, made yeah, it so I good. I could have hung up that conversation. Um, 
everyone else is being too friendly yeah. and being too assuming too much. And he is clocking that she is not. And that makes him antsy, but it also makes him interested, right? Like yeah. she's there. She's there. And what does that mean? And and you know, if we someone will do this. So you could run back the tape and look at uh the communication that he has had up to this point, you know. Supposedly there are three kids of equal stature. Roman met with him last season. Some Kendall relationship must have existed because he called Kendall um, outside when he was outside of the karaoke bar. Mm-hmm. Roman was going to maybe make this trip with Logan, but didn't. And then Shiv comes on this, so he's like, "Well, what's the deal?" So I do think it's all of it. It's it's on a it's due diligence on a corporate level, but there's also something that is he's keying into on a human level. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. One thing you don't have to worry about cleaning up this spring season: your wireless bill. Just switch to Mint Mobile. It's easy. And right now, they have unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month for first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Should we do a couple of just like teasing out threads here? So one is that the one person who very notably did not get retained in this merger and acquisition is Hugo. Right. Hugo, obviously. Potentially. This is all speculative. That's the thing. Yes. Is like, I guess that's my first question is if, if the deal falls apart in the next episode or in the first five minutes of the next episode, are you going to be like, huh? Um. No, because I mean, the deal's not going to get, is the deal going to get done? I, I guess we don't know. I mean, that would be funny if it was like the deal is that Matson just take, because Matson is the embodiment right. of Logan Roy in the digital age that he would just take over this company. I, I think, so we're at a disadvantage because people, we have a screener. This podcast is going up Sunday night after the episode. Presumably, if you're listening to us, you saw next week on. And right. So there might be some business that counter. Well, I, but I'm not even suggesting like. I guess that's a, yeah. So I suppose I, it's a really limited idea I, of like looking at it, but like, what happens if this deal falls apart next episode? I, Will you be I, mad? I, my guess is either the next week or the week after is the ATN episode. I mean, I think we know from the, the election. We the election's coming. It yeah. keeps getting teased. We know from the midseason trailer that Justin Kirk is returning as Republican candidate Mencken. Mm-hmm. This is all in play. There's some stuff that hasn't exactly been on the up and up with regards to the, you know, their their siloed Megan news division. Seems dialed into their editorial conferences it, in the morning, yeah. I, I would say that for as much as Succession succeeds by not being one-to-one ripped from the headlines, there are some things that are really juicy from the last two years that are worth keeping in mind, such as Fox in our real world, such as it is. It's a simulation, but you know, <laughs> we'll save it for Thursday's pod. Um, <laughs> the Fox News in our world called Arizona for Biden, thus you know, adding to disappointing the Carrie Lake yes. profoundly, yeah. but um, you know, but just as she, she'll rise in the end, right, buddy? How's the <laughs> how's the bundling going? Um, but you know, but but adding to the true narrative that Joe Biden was about to be elected president, and the, the what happened from that on air call is absolutely like a Jay Roach game change kind of miniseries unto itself, with uh-huh. phone calls reaching Rupert Murdoch's home. His cell phone. Allegedly. Being like, undo this, right? Allegedly. Sure. Sure. Jerry Hall's been talking to me too. Okay. I know. I would be surprised if we didn't see some of that stuff play out. And I don't know what that means in terms of a foreign 
uh, company taking over, blah, blah, blah. I saw a video the other day, by the way, yeah. of uh, Carrie Lake and Kimberly Guilfoyle talking about mm-hmm. Carrie Lake's chances at becoming the next senator for Arizona. Yeah. And she's like, the only person who can beat me in Arizona is President Donald Trump. <laughs> First of all, the passive voice. I just happened to see a video. <laughs> you have a Google alert set. No, you know how? Because like you, you don't know. Carrie you Lake you don't Justice. Look at Twitter. Carrie Lake Firebrand. But when you go and it resets you to for you, uh-huh. I think it listens to all my bits and knows that we talk about Carrie Lake a lot. So I get Carrie Lake content served. By the way, how are you handling the loss of your blue check? How are you handling it? It's no skin off my back, man. Yeah. I, I, I never want Above the clouds. It. Just above the fray. That's you. Unverified and dangerous. You know? That's who I am. I want to. I think what I'll do is take a screenshot of my old blue check mm. and just put it right next to the Ukraine flag, and you know, like yeah, like hashtag resistance stuff that's in my banner in the first place. That's smart. Good. Okay. <laughs> I think that'll reset the balance. Um, in terms of resetting the, <laughs> the balance of this show, the plot every week. Sorry for that, Jag. Yeah. No, I think I think I think our patriotic <laughs> listeners appreciate it always. Um, look, I, I, everybody. I, I really enjoy when the show reminds us that not everybody is the same. When Matson is like, I'm going to make you rich, and they're like, we're already rich. Mm-hmm. That's Where, a great line. And, and, and Carl is just like, oh, well, you know, I guess I guess some shuffling of the deck is in order because he's into it in an island, you know, over an island. And, golden parachute, yeah. Um, that's a different response than Hugo, right? Um, so the instability of everyone is really interesting and and the main character's complete lack of empathy or interest in anyone else's fate also funny and interesting low-key great Carolina episode awesome one yeah Dagmar really does her job getting her earning her her opening credits billing but it's hard to actually episode. you know it's it, it I, I thought it was so interesting that Shiv essentially saves Jerry mm-hmm. Carolina herself and Tom mm-hmm. uh but does so on the back of suggesting that Matson engage in catch and kill policies with a possible sexual harassment. Yeah, they don't. I mean, no one on the show actually not cares yeah. about anything. And it's not, yeah. Um, so sometimes that's, that is the best way of saying it. Nobody yeah. on this show actually cares about anything except for their father. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, what, what's so funny to consider, funny, not haha, certainly, but he did something for them at the end of his life that they will not accept. You know, he said like, you should make your, at one point, you know, go make your, at the end of last season, go make your own piles yeah. or whatever. He lined it up so that his life's work was done. In the karaoke bar, he's like, you get Pierce, I keep ATN, we separate the business from the family and maybe yes. we can start over. Yeah, and it's all wrapped up in a deal that he said was okay, in a deal that he negotiated, that it was fine. And they will not accept that. Do you think Roman accused Lucas of killing his dad because he's worried he did? That he's worried that the kid's bullshit and constantly pushing and constantly fucking up the deal and messing with him and him messing with them like brought on his his end? I think it's an interesting question. And I think that it also reminds me of something that I didn't clue in on at all, which I think some people took away from... some. I, I noticed some people thinking that Roman's rushing to Carrie's aid had a lot to do with like the voicemail. Oh yeah, that he had left or right. something. Um, no, I think it was I, more like he. I think he he actually is drawn to like misfit toys. Yeah, but I I, I also think he's the, he's the one who seems more upset that we're not they're not they weren't going to like properly attend Connor's wedding. Yeah, he in a different life, he would be a nice person. 
Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um, maybe if he hadn't been locked in a dog cage, you know? Like, you never know. You can't uh, can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Um, you can't but, put Calispatron back in the cave and put no, him back to too, sleep. He's too sleepy. But uh, the thing about you killed my dad, I mean, I there is no Logan Roy anymore. That's one of the powerful things about the show. Increasingly over the last two seasons, it felt like, and we talked about this week to week, there was no Logan Roy anymore. He was not the star of the show, despite Brian Cox's high billing, despite the center of gravity. What's happened in his wake isn't his absence in the wake of his passing. It's the blooming of a dozen fictional Logan Roys that everyone carries and has now set their compasses to. Mm -hmm. So Roman is imagining some version of this where if this Gojo tart hadn't you know, suddenly appeared and tempted their father with money and closure, then Logan would still be alive and would have Roman by his side as he, you know, slayed new dragons and opened up new media right. frontiers. None of that's true. He didn't kill him. You know, it's absurd. But that works for him in his totally normal, totally healthy, pre-grieving state. Did you have anything else from this episode? I kind of want to know what level of... uh European football at Lucas Madsen's club plays at? Like, did they win the Champions League or did did they just win, like, the Swedish Domestic League? I was or? very curious about that, too. Well, you, do you think he bought well, within Skarsgård's, like, a huge... Uh, I can't remember who he likes. It's, I don't know if it's Gothenburg or what, but, like, he's, like, a huge fan of one of those clubs. All the Skarsgård. Like, it's a family thing. He's, right? like, in the fucking stand with the Ultras, like, shirt off. Yeah. 12 degrees screaming. Well, if you had filmed the Northman, you would have your shirt off too. Like, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. You have, I mean, we're not doing TikTok, right? Chris's shirt is off now and there is an <laughs> HR issue. Um, but I, I love that. Like I, what did you say? Like your little your, kicky your little team. Kicky footy team. Yeah. It's just a distraction. It's all just a distraction for them. Um, quiet episode from Tom, but still strong. Yeah. Tom and Greg, largely background players for the most part in this one. Tom was funny. Greg, 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 the economist. Like, Greg was like kind of extra requirements for this episode, although he was funny reading The Economist. And Well, the Greg thing is interesting because, you know, one of the reasons the show, I think, has been so nimble and successful is because it continually writes towards what's useful and what's great. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if you take a character like Marsha, who did not serve much purpose dramatically, so she was gone. And then when she came back, it was perfect. You know, and yeah. had a very different energy, and 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 she had uh, stakes. I mean, she had power that is that is, you know, she has her own gravity that's causing ripple effects. Greg, in this version of of the chaos, is not useful, right? You know, which is which has nothing to do with Nicholas Braun or his performance or whatever. But as a as a thirsty underling in an existing relatively stable power structure, he made sense. As comic relief, he made sense. Or as a fall guy, you know, in front of Congress, he makes sense. Or even as just like the shifting winds of the disgusting brothers right. as their stench wafts over lower Manhattan. But in this version, like how many episodes can we have him coming up being like, you were the quad squad? Yeah. And then being like, you're a joke to us and we don't actually like And then you. calling him over and having him leak something important. That, so that's that's his... That's essentially what he's doing. That's purpose. But 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 narratively, I, I would say people who 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 bought the Greg stock on FanDuel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Might be, might be questioning it. Um, did you feel, I know we've essentially been talking about this for over 40 minutes already, but last week when we did this podcast about episode four, you verbatim said like the one thing you don't want mm. is for them to change their mind. 
And midway through this episode, I, Kendall's like, I want to I, stick, I, I want to I think I did deal. a bad job of saying in the beginning mm-hmm. that I have come full circle to kind of understanding why this show has these characters operate the way they do. Right. And I, I think it's well within my rights to sort of be like, are you just bringing these people back to zero because it's more fun to watch them Look, fight than right. it is to watch them? Rights are something we used to have in this country. Right. You know? But I think that I didn't find that they changed direction very much. I mean, obviously, like in the last four episodes, they have run through almost a dozen different permutations of this partnership that they're going to have and what they're going to be the siblings. Yeah. And who's in and who's out and what they're doing and what they want to be doing and who's going to be paying for it and who's, in, you know, Sandy and Stewie are involved and now they're not. And, you know, it's like this stuff happens in TV shows. But I think that watching this episode really. I think it hammered home these ideas that like they're all obsessed with their fathers, who is father who is now gone. They're all now sword fighting with God over their father. Mm-hmm. And the business stuff is kind of extra to requirements. And every interaction is some sort of like audition for this ghost of their dad looking over them. Mm-hmm. And that makes the sort of like the 360s and the zags kind of make a little bit more sense to me. I, I agree with you. I also think that it's worth noting again that the real MVP of the season is the timeline. Mm-hmm. Having Logan die in episode three was, we don't need to belabor, it was stunning, shocking, surprising, et cetera, et cetera. In some ways, having this episode fall just two episodes later was even more surprising because this is now the halfway point of the season. We have seen five, there are five to go. If I didn't know that, you could make a case that there's one episode to go. Mm-hmm. Or maybe two. The election and then the aftermath. There's a lot more than that. And oh, that yeah. is yeah. destabilizing and interesting. Because it means that, well, it means one of, well, it could mean a lot of things. But among the contenders for things that it means are, there are more permutations of this Gojo deal, the Waystar sale, than we realize. And they've really challenged themselves painted themselves into a corner, but they're going to get out of it with absolutely dazzling feats of narratively cohesive, um, dexterous acrobatics. And like, there's just, it's going to keep twisting and you're going to, we're going to come up with reasons why we think it's a good idea. And, 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 and we're going to feel it's earned. Yeah. Or this is going to happen. The election's going to happen. And then what are they going to be in Taos? What are they going to be? Yeah. Who are they going to be? Is this show really going to strip them down to the bolts I and think, make us look at them and make them look at themselves, that's wild. And that would really be unexpected. I think the timeline is is a good point about how they've paced out this action over the course of the season. And I think time is a really important thing to keep in mind where this is only a matter of days since Logan passed away. Mm-hmm. And this is a show that has in the past been like episode stops and then three weeks later or three months later or whatever happens. And I think that that was an interesting way of treating the story because you could fill in what's transpired since Kendall went to Shiv and says, it's not going to be me mm-hmm. at the end of Safe Room. What transpired between that episode and the next episode mm-hmm. that made, it didn't feel like they were in that tender, vulnerable moment anymore. They felt like they had yes. kind of gotten back to their kind of keeping each other at arm's distance. With this, you don't have that. You don't have that, like, I haven't there. seen you in three weeks. You've done all this stuff in the intervening time. And you can kind of see in real time her lose confidence in their promise to her and react in kind. And I think that that's been really like a, a really nice it, 
change for the storytelling. It's a really good point and observation to keep in mind, though, that this show is beholden to no structure that we are expecting it to be beholden to. Because Not anymore? No, and I think in terms of, so we're off the map in terms of what, the next the next episode could be the election. Then it could say two years later. We we have no idea, and I think that's really interesting because, like the conversation that I had with Bill the other day was about like the Pantheon shows and how this relates to them and whether it's equal to them or et cetera, et cetera. If you think about two of the shows that are on my Rushmore mm-hmm. and many people's probably, um, actually not. I said they weren't on my Rushmore, but in the Pantheon in the conversation, Mad Men was, but also Breaking Bad completely opposite relationships to the space between mm-hmm. episodes. Breaking Bad was breathless sprint straight to the bottom. Yep. And everything led to everything else. It was entirely based on cause and effect. And those guys were crowd-pleasing, dazzling, tightrope walkers. It had momentum. Of that shit. Yeah. Mad Men almost confounded that expectation where an episode would be like, I guess it's April 1970 now. <laughs> yeah. And... Now they're working with Jaguar. Like, and then the next episode would be months later. The summer was over. And I love that too. This show has done versions of both and it can do versions of both. Yeah. And we're just, we're just, I guess this is a broken record to say like five episodes left for Jesse Armstrong to make the show that he wants to make and I tell the story he wants to tell. I think the one thing that's different among many that's different about Succession from those other two shows is that for the most part, every single episode is about what happens when these people are together. Yes, yes. And Mad Men was very traditional in the sense that it would be the A plot, and then there would be the B plot, and then there would be a C plot. And then Don would be missing in California. And then there would be some thematic harmony between the three stories at the end, and we would all write our recaps. But this is much more based... Did we? Did we? Did you... <laughs> I don't remember yours, but go on. Go on. I was recapping a Hornets game at the time, but... Uh, <laughs> I think that this show needs to have the tension of these people being in the room. So how many more times, if they completely fuck one another over over this thing, how many more times are we going to see them in the same room together? That's true. Will they ever break away from that kind of like family reunion structure? And and buddy, like all great shows, that meta observation about the structure of the episodes is baked into what we're seeing on the screen. Meaning... They, they don't want to give up the promise, the impossible promise of their father's love. They don't want to give up on the sense of becoming business titans in their own right and making their own name. But they also don't want to give up the reason to all be in the room together calling each other fuckheads. You know, they just, th- that would be death. That's right. Because there, there's nothing else. Yeah. Did you notice like in that opening scene where they're like, we're really good at being CEOs for 12 <laughs> hours. And they're like, everybody, fuck off, fuck off. Like the, that's what you're supposed yeah. to say. They had read like Logan Roy's business etiquette for dummies. <laughs> Doesn't really work. Nope. <laughs> uh, but I do want to see Calus Patron. Yeah. So you, I mean, look, you see a lot more movies than I do. You know, just broadly. Like, yeah. Do you think that this is? Do you think this one's going to be worth it? Because like well, Avatar, it's the second one, so it kind of has that Empire Strikes Back vibe. Oh, it's Calus Patron too. It's a trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you know, movies with bad reps like Avatar like turn out to be big successes. Yeah, that's true. So it's possible. Yeah, and you know, maybe if somebody finds out Calus Patron is their father. Wow. Well, baking daddy issues into all this would be good. Greenwald, great to see you. Should we do a little end of show housekeeping? Just because there's a lot of... If there's somebody here, the 56th minute, who wants to find out what we're doing on Thursday, go for it. I think people should be checking out Mrs. Davis uh-huh. on Peacock by our buddy Damon Lindelof. The first Lindelof four episodes Tara are Hernandez. Up. Yeah. First four episodes are up. We're going to be talking about that. 
I think people listening to us, some of them may have watched Barry. I thought the episode of Barry tonight was perfect. Uh huh. And I think that show is fucking mind blowing. And we'll talk about that soon. Sure. And, you know, yeah. um, we got Top Chef, and there's just other stuff we just haven't talked about. Like I gotta watch. I gotta watch Beef. Uh huh. Dead Ringers is on Amazon with the goddess Rachel Vise. I want to see that. Yeah, I How love you your feel? enthusiasm. Boy, not, going on Bill's show, you're just now you're back. You're back into TV criticism. Well, look, here's the thing. <laughs> the strike's coming too. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big one. <laughs> Maybe I should do more podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> you guys pay me by the. You're gonna hour, be on the right? picket line watching fucking beef on your phone. It's <laughs> fine with me. I'll be out there with the creators of beef. Yeah. I didn't meet them last time they were here. Um, Dead Ringers. There's that Drops of God, Drops of Gold, the Japanese French wine show <laughs> that I talked about for 20 minutes. Uh-huh. That's on now. Where did you talk Apple. about that for 20 minutes? Was I not here? You were checking your email. You were here, but you were was like, Was I wow. in England for that one? No, though? you were literally in this room, but you were like, I haven't seen passion like that from you since the 2008 Phillies. <laughs> okay. Um, My bad. <laughs> like that tracks. That does sound like something you'd say. Uh, the Diplomat, Gary yep. Russell, my Netflix, the Netflix Corporation. What are we gonna do? Watch television. Talk about it. It's what we do for a living when we're not on the picket lines. Kaya, thank you for producing us. Thank you to everybody for listening to our Succession recap. We'll be back on Thursday talking a lot of Mrs. Davis. Everybody have a great week. 